The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruitments, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of the 360 Recruiting Podcast presented by Sooners 360. I'm here, as always, with Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners 360, and Caleb Cummings, a.k.a. Mr. Sooner 55, our film guru, breaking down some of these prospects. Uh, we're calling this episode, it's ep- it is episode number 30. We've made it to 30. Uh, this episode is called In-State Newsweek, Legacy Offer Finally Happens, and Dramatic Shift from Tulsa. I'll turn it over to Chris here for this first segment covering the latest recruiting news of the week. Chris, no commitment this time, but I'm sure there's enough news to go, go over. What's what's going on in OU's recruiting world? Well, the first thing is um, we don't, you know, no commits this week, at least no commits for OU, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, and there's no portal updates. It looks like the portal um, monster, movie monster, is finally dead. You know, we've, we've chopped its head off, we've electrocuted it, and we've thrown it in a bath of acid. It's, it's finally killed. Freddy or Jason is, is finally dead, at least until, uh, until November, when he will reemerge again and return of the port, re- return of the portal, you know, part four, whatever, re- re- you know, death of, death of, death of wide receivers or something. I don't know. But uh, Juco news is out there. So obviously uh, the first Juco news is Lane Jenkins, no longer a Sooner. Um, Matt, you were able to put in a note about that for last week's pod, right? So all that great analysis. Yep, we, got, we, got that in there. Sadly, all that great analysis and and from Caleb and I and us really saying what a great move this was. Yeah, like right after we finished that pod, with it's about twelve hours later, it was all done and and dusted. So he's no longer going to be a Sooner. It'll probably be a probably play at Illinois. He's from Naperville, so that's fine. But there's two um, two JUCO DBs that OU have offered that are going to be on campus like tomorrow or Friday. Uh, the first one we've mentioned before was Demetrius Freeney. He's about six one, hundred ninety five pound DB from college of uh, his JUCO is called the College of San Mateo. And then his teammate, uh, Siona Laule, uh, six foot four, 190 pound DB from again, the College of San Mateo. And both these guys are full qualifiers. So they've got some years to play at OU and they can leave JUCO and just enroll in OU in June. And Demetrius has uh, several visits set up. 
And uh, this is, but the news about uh, Sioni is brand new. I, that's that's a brand new piece of information uh, for everyone on this pod. Uh, you, you won't hear that anywhere else. Well, you may hit a little bit after, but we had it first uh, Wednesday night around 10 o'clock Eastern time. So um, so that's really the, the JUCO news. So Portal's dead, but OU's still looking to add personnel and tweak the roster for uh, for this fall, for 2023. All right, and then moving on to the class of 2024, we'll just do a quick recap. Duncan's Zadavian Sims commitment to Oregon. Uh, we've talked about it on the board. Durant, Durant. Did you say Duncan? Durant? I said Duncan Durant. Yeah, it's pretty similar. Um, uh, I have friends at Duncan that won't appreciate <laughs> that, but that's all right. So Sims to Oregon, Chris. What what happened there? What, what's going on with Sims and Oregon and OU and that whole fiasco? But we actually, I mean, we predicted this last week. We we mentioned we thought that that Sims was choosing Oregon, that we were unsure of OU's um super pressing desire to have him, that you know, they would they would they would take the verbal because they need D-line and he's a good D. He's you know, under Todd Bates, he could be a really good defensive lineman. So that was that wasn't a problem. But I think that I think where everything got kind of messed up is I think Zadavian took a second visit to Oregon fell in love with the place for whatever reasons. And we will, you know, I'll leave that up to whatever speculation you want. Uh, and then I think he didn't really know how to tell Todd Bates. He wasn't going to choose OU that he'd been telling Todd that I'm going to be a sooner. I want to, I want to go to OU for so long that he didn't quite know how to, uh, you know, like he's one of my buddies in, in college, never knew how to break up with a girlfriend. So he would just sort of, uh, uh, would sort of ignore them. Uh, and then pick up a new girlfriend and sort of wait until they realized um, that they had broken up. Um, like a, sort of a classic guy strategy, you know. I like that so, guy. So, yeah, classic guy strategy. Um, so I think this is the Davian's a little bit in that. Like he found a new girlfriend and he didn't quite know how to tell his old girlfriend, hey, 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 we're broken up. And, um, you know, continue to go on dates with her while dating the other girl. So, and never got caught. And finally, Push came to shove, and he kind of got caught, and he didn't That's quite. Official, know how to... I do like him. <laughs> um, uh, and it wasn't just one girl; he would have like you know three at a time. Um, uh, my, my friend in college. So anyway, I was always amusing watching the burn. That the, once it realized, and the girls finally clued in, and the shouting matches at the dining hall because I went to a small college, so with mostly mostly women. It was an all women's college until. Uh, and I was a part of the second group of guys to go there. So it was like a 30 to one ratio, um, girls to guys, my freshman year. So, um, uh, to, to get by sidetracked here, cause I don't really want to talk about Sims that much. Um, so I think it's just, it's just D line recruiting. It's just recruiting. This goes kids tell schools all the time. Hey, I'm sticking with you. I'm going to be here. And then when push comes to shove, you know, things get melted down. I mean, this is no, you know, this is far less, you know, a bizarre situation than Peyton Bowen last year. I mean, this wasn't live on, this wasn't signing day and he's choosing Oregon and then he doesn't sign his paperwork. And then 24 hours later, he's fortunately a sooner. I mean, this is, this is, this is just recruiting. He wanted, you know, he fell in love with Oregon, chose Oregon. And, and, um, and I just don't think he, he was able to, I don't think he knew how to tell OU that he wasn't coming. So it just kind of dragged it out. And, but we had kind of got a sense of this, from our sources, you know, our sources weren't giving us any Sims information. I think it's because OU was kind of like, yeah, I think, I almost think Todd Bates knew, like, knew that he was going to Oregon and he was just kind of, he kind of let the kid off the hook. Like, okay, just tell me, 
you know, we're broken up. Again, to use the girlfriend example, we're broken up. Just you found another girlfriend. Just tell me we're, we're broken up. And I think, you know, that's that's finally what happened. So, you know, it's, it's it'll be he's going to be an interesting player to track this fall because um, he's he's six four two eighty. Again, he looks great on the hoof. He looks great in a uniform. So he's going to be really interesting to track and see uh, what his senior film looks like. And again, if OU's doing well on the field and they have an extra D-line spot, you know, this is where the unlimited official visits, you know, could, could help OU. Or you could just say, you know, are you really, you really sticking with Oregon? You know, um, OU's doing well on the field. And he says, well, maybe I'll take, I'll take an OU official and, uh, and, and things change. So, Part one of the Zadavian Sims, Sims story to Oregon. He's going to be an Oregon Duck. I think how OU does at D-line recruiting, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, kind of in a little bit of an update. How OU does with D-line recruiting, I think, kind of depends upon whether OU stays in touch and circles back with him. All right. Was there any other commitment news of note recently? I believe uh, Logan Thomas, another defensive line, committed this this week. Yeah, Logan Thomas from Katie Powtow committed to Notre Dame. That's where he's been leaning. That's where everybody thought he was going. It's kind of a blow for Texas A&M, really, because, you know, they got David Hicks from, from Katie Powtow. Katie's kind of their school district. That's where they make a lot of their hay. So he visited OU for the for the for one of the junior days. Actually, he may have been in the spring game. I, I, I haven't really tracked him because while he seemed interested in OU, it seemed lukewarm and OU seemed to be saying, yeah, we're not, yeah, we're, you know, you know, it sounds like, it sounds like, again, to keep the relationship thread going here, uh, Logan Thomas and OU decided to just be friends. Can, can, let's just, just, let's just be friends. We're not really digging each other, but we, we like each other. So let's just be friends. So I, I like him on film. He's it's a good pickup for Notre Dame. They're doing a good job adding, you know, um, adding that's, he had some speed, uh, an edge rusher to that Notre Dame defensive line that's uh, had that has been really productive. So this is a really good pickup for Notre Dame. He's a top 200 player. It just it just never seemed kind of it never seemed right for OU. You know, it's kind of like it's not you, it's me, and that will be the last of the relationship cliches I, I use for this podcast. Well, I'm wondering if you make one for this next guy that we're about to talk about. Another 2024 defensive lineman. Just visited OU recently, Daniel Okoye, the defensive end from Tulsa. Uh, Chris, what's going on with Okoye? Is is OU kind of getting back in this race? Yeah, I mean, he's he visited OU over the weekend. There's these great shots of him in an OU, in OU gear, um, jumping, vertically jumping, like over Miguel Chavis. And then he's he has one gif of him doing his patented standing backflip and um he is 65 247 doing that in full pads which is pretty amazing but yeah he had a he had a great visit to OU OU's definitely seems to be back into this race he seems really energized about the Sooners so you know and I think he's the number one player in the state I think by the time everything rolls around he could be top 50 in the country um, if he goes to an all-star game and dominates, I wouldn't shock me if he didn't make a run at like five-star status. Like if he showed up at an all-star game and just, you know, dominated everyone's and, you know, all the analysts who have never seen him are like, who, who is this monster? So it's, it's, I think this is a big story 
uh, and, uh, and could be a real story for OU um, moving forward. And, and just to, to plug our own little interview, uh, Chris did sit down with Daniel Okoye after his visit uh, to get a little bit of sense on how that went from Okoye's perspective, uh, talked a little bit of recruiting. It's a great interview. It will be on our board, our private board for our VIP subscribers uh, before we do release it to the public on YouTube later. So head on over to Sooners 360 and check out that great interview. Okoye seems like a great kid. I know Chris was very excited about the interview um, and we're excited to to see how his recruiting plays out. Circling back to, to the rest of the class, uh, the rest of the positions, Chris, I believe a few offers went out this week. Um, what's going on with that? Well, this, the second big news, I think, of the week, um, really after the Akoya visit, is the offer to Cooper Alexander, the 2024 tight end from Washington, Oklahoma. Uh, he's 6'4", 225. He's the son of Sooner tight end and former old pro tight end, Stephen Alexander. And Stephen Alexander was stuck on some bad, bad football teams. So he never quite got the credit he deserved. But he had a very nice, you know, he had more than a cup of coffee in the NFL. Uh, was a pro bowler one year. Uh, and Stephen, you know, Stephen's, uh, you know, for a lot of fans, a lot of Sooner fans, who remember the bad 90s, Stephen Alexander was like one of those guys you could like hang your hat on. It was like Seth Jones, Stephen Alexander, um, uh, Gerald Moore. It was, it was very few stars that you could really like, yeah, that's my guy. So um, it'll be interesting to see. He has good offers. He has offers from Stanford. Um, Iowa State has been recruiting him really uh, pretty heavily. Um, I think we are trying to avoid um, – a Kolar Kittle situation here. Um, for those of you that don't know, George Kittle was from Norman and went to, I believe he went to, I was it Iowa? I think he went to Iowa. Iowa. Um, that's right. He went to Iowa and then he's been an all pro tight end. And then Charlie Kohler also from Norman went to Iowa state and, and, and terrorized the Sooners for three, four years. Um, I know he's, I, I think he's on an NFL roster. I'm pretty sure he is. So, you know, it's kind of like if those to go back in the recruiting way back machine, like the lockets, like, oh, you missed on the first locket kid who went to K-State. I think it was Kevin. And then we got like hit with like three lockets after that, that um, ended up being all big 12 players. And we never could get to sign any of them because, you know, K-State had the locket family connection. So we don't want to lose Cooper Alexander to the state of Iowa and then watch him in the NFL four years from now. So I'm glad this offer is made if for no other reason than that, but he's a, well, I mean, like cable, Caleb talk a little bit on more in depth with him, but he's it's an interesting offer. And we're going to talk about the ramifications of that and uh, in the next, the next segment, but it's a, that's the, it's big news. I mean, it, 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 it was a law for, he really, really wanted, and it's, it's going to set up some interesting things. So uh, it's a, it's as along with Akoya, you know, really looking at OU, adding Cooper Washington to potentially the OU class in 24 makes things really interesting. The other offer was to a player who's coming in for the barbecue weekend, June 16th. It's Easton Baker from Utah. He's a linebacker. He was previously committed to BYU. Now he's opened things back up and he was, he, his visit was set up and he didn't have an offer. And now he has an offer. 
So I'm going to let Caleb talk a little bit about him in the next segment, but this, he could be a very interesting player to watch at the, at the, at the barbecue in terms of, you know, if you could ask me who could verbal at the barbecue, Easton Baker could easily do that. Uh, and then moving over to 2025, um, in-state athlete, outside linebacker, Marcus James, who's now at Carl Albert, uh, transferred from Bishop McGinnis, I believe. He's, OU offered him, and he started to pick, he's starting to pick up a lot of big offers. Teams are starting to realize that film is is good, and he's that size. He's about 6'4", 210. And Caleb, um, just real quick, what he, I think he looks like a, his sophomore film, it's raw in a lot of places, but there's a lot of potential there. You can you can kind of see the the beginnings of like a big time college athlete. Yeah, I think that's you nailed it. It it probably is a little bit raw with Bishop McGinnis, but it's it's raw in the sense of it's it's just a big, long, fast, explosive athlete that is they're just using him all over the place. You know, tied in, they hand him the ball. Uh, put them out wide and receiver. It's just, you know, I'm, Hey, I'm bigger, faster. And he's a young kid. That's kind of still, you can tell probably learning his way a little bit, but yeah, he checks all those physical boxes. I'm interested to see, you know, he looks, he looks six, three and a half, six, four, uh, maybe two ten, maybe, maybe two Oh five, 200 pounds. But I mean, so young, you never know. Is he going to, you know, was he going to be, how big is he going to get, you know, in terms of like weight, he, lean kid but he uh that 25 oklahoma class is a looking like a rare one and he's he fits that mold of all these guys in that class that uh you know are prototypical from a height weight speed perspective which you know really hasn't been i think everyone knows it's been uh it's been a little bit more rare uh for you know from a depth perspective for in-state oklahoma kids and I, I just saw this on my Twitter feed. Um, again, we dropped it in a bucket of acid. We, we dropped, we cut its head off. But apparently, um, based upon some Instagram stuff flying around, OU may have offered a transfer tied, transfer defensive tackle from Utah State. Uh, he's 6'3", 305. His name is Philip Paya. He went to Michigan. That name seems that name seems familiar to me for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know anything about him stats wise, but he's six three, other than six three three oh five. Doesn't and he's a grad transfer. So, um, that there there may be there's some news that we that we haven't been able to dig deeper in. Um, that we might might be able might be to make some more sense of this next week when to tie some things together. But literally, I just got that. Just, was just looking at Twitter. And then that's just post popped up. So um, that might be a story next week. I don't know, or it could be nothing. All right. That pretty much does it for our recruiting news update segment. Um, we're going to jump into a little bit of team discussion because it does kind of relate to recruiting 2023 wide receiver Keon Brown uh, will be going to JUCO. So he will not officially be part of the 2023 class, will not make it to Norman this summer. Um, so how how do you guys think OU should respond to this loss? That's another scholarship that opens up. It's the, you know, the summer session is about to start. How would you guys address this situation scholarship-wise? 
Well, okay, I'll, I'll just quickly go first because I, I have a quick answer because I really want I want to actually want to hear your guys' opinion on this a little bit more. Um, I'm going to go with the quick answer. I think they should roll it to 24, the 24 class, and let Emmett Jones see if he can sign a fourth, a third, uh, an additional talented wide receiver. I agree. I mean, that's that would have been my answer. Um, roll with what you got now, especially if they think some of these guys that have been battling some nagging injuries, if if they're starting to look healthy and they feel pretty good about that, save that ship, give Emmett Jones another, another, you know, a fourth scholarship slot in that class. Caleb, what do you think? Yeah, I'll probably go a little out of the box comparatively. Uh, I have still do have high hopes for uh, JJ Hester. I just had really bad luck with that foot. You know, he, had had some flashes in his retro freshman year uh, at Missouri when he had 225 yards receiving, you know, with not a not a great offense by any stretch, uh, but you know, really flash vertical speed. I just worry, like I think this year is really vital to Oklahoma, and I think we all agree, right? It kind of everything is there for the taking a potential top two, top three class for the 24. You're transitioning to the SEC with what would be a you know, a 25 in-state class that looks almost historical for, for the state of Oklahoma. So I would go there as I would say, if these junior college corners are on, you know, look to be what maybe uh, potential guys to come in and, and give you depth. Now I would really look at Jacoby Johnson and potentially flip him, play him at wide receiver. That's where he excelled the most. I think maybe he, you could argue his upside is the most that, corner but when you watched him in high school you know there was a the corner uh, i think it was a at one point was a four-star kid that signed with north carolina out of edmund and you know when jacoby was one-on-one with him and uh you know he he kind of took the game over so i think you maybe look at hey can we play jacoby at receiver and uh go get some of these go get one or two uh of these junior college dbs bring them in bolster your depth defensive and uh and get maybe a guy that can give you some juice this year in 23 uh that that would be you know maybe my, my thoughts so kind of right roll that roll that uh scholarship to a to a corner and uh start jacoby at receiver and as as chris mentioned in the first segment you know there are those two juco defensive backs visiting uh in the next day or so um laulea interesting prospect he's he's long six four kind of that Jacoby mold. So yeah, maybe, maybe that's, that's an option. Uh, And Chris, correct me if I'm wrong here, the portal could still be a possibility this summer. Um, Would that be an opportunity for possibly a, you know, a one-year rental at wide receiver? Yeah. I mean, grad transfers are still available. So somebody who wants to hit the portal and they're a grad, they're a graduate transfer. They're, they're still eligible this fall. The portal thing is really to be eligible when you're not a grad transfer to be eligible for this fall. And that that window's closed. So if there's some sophomore hotshot wide receiver who decides he wants to play somewhere else this fall and, and, and forgot that he should have been in the portal earlier, he's out of luck. He should be out of luck. We'll see if the NCAA holds the line on this or if somebody's going to try and claim they can sue or something along these lines. Um, it should be, it should be done. So there could be a guy, you know, lightning in a bottle. Um, OU's able to get, but I, 
it's hard to think of who, you know, all the names, you know, Emmett Jones followed a bunch of guys, kicked the tires on a lot of guys and only brought in uh, Brennan Thompson for, uh, uh, for a visit. So it's, it's, I don't, I don't foresee this happening, but you know, something could happen in August. All of a sudden we're, we're turning around as another wide receiver, you know, who is this guy? And it could be a grad transfer. So it's, it's definitely not beyond definitely parts, definitely possible, but that I don't have any names and there are no names floating around. Nobody that Emmett Jones just recently followed because our man sap town is all over that kind of traffic and he's not posted anything. Well, I think Caleb's got me convinced that you take these two Juco guys and float the idea of Jacoby moving to wide receiver. He had, you know, great, great film there. Obviously, Sky high potential at defensive back, but a fantastic athlete for wide receiver as well. Um, speaking of those two JUCO guys, Caleb, let's let's get your your full rundown on Freeney, and we we think it's Laulia. Yeah, they're both. I mean, really solid players. Laulia is uh, or Sioni. He's extremely interesting. Uh, you know, Freeney is he looks more prototypical. Listed at 6'1", 185. That might be accurate. He might be six foot, 185 pounds. So solid size. Uh, he's got good ball skills. He does. I think he shows a good football IQ on tape because you see him, you know, playing some some zone and and you know playing half of splitting the man, jumping the underneath route. Uh, you see him physical coming up short underneath. Uh, routes, you know, uh, and and making plays on that short, quick game that everybody loves these days. I, you know, I don't know if he's an elite guy in terms of his twitch, uh, but I think he absolutely would bring competitive depth uh, and, and be a guy that fits right in. Uh, could, you know, experience at the junior college ranks, played against good competition, was you know has shown on tape consistently a good player. Uh, you know, I think he. He could fit fit right in. Uh, it's it's interesting because he and he and Sione Luilia are in some ways, even on their film, there, there's a, a lot of opposites where you see, you know, that that impressive ability in zone with Freeney to again, right? So jumping routes, good recognition, playing that. You don't see. I, I think you know that that JC maybe just decided, hey. You know, Sione's just going to play man because that's what you see him a lot. He is listed at 6'4, 185 pounds, and he looks it. There are some times where, you know, he's running uh, with the receiver and he looks, he looks massive, you know, in terms of height and length comparatively to some of those smaller wide receivers. Uh, he's got some good track times from high school. You know, uh, he ran 10'8, 100 meter, 47'9 in the 400 meter. Uh, so, you know, he's a really good athlete. I think you see some of the body control, uh, that's always a bit of a concern to me with really big corners. There's just so much more, uh, that can go wrong, I guess, in terms of, you know, their movement when they're flipping their hips, turning to run and can just, you know, get, get out, get away from them, uh, and cause some, you know, ineffectiveness, I guess, uh, in their movement. Uh, but no, I mean, the only thing you don't see with him on that though, you don't see a lot of, you know, him playing zone, recognizing stuff. You don't see him coming up. There is a little bit on his film, him being physical and, and coming up and, and really getting after guys, but he absolutely uses his length to reroute receivers. Uh, he can run. He doesn't have any, 
nobody on his highlight tape anyway ever really challenges him. He's in phase the entire time with every single person, whether it's thrown his way or if it's something underneath. Uh, yeah, I think the only question you have there is if he is really – he looks really lean, you know, at 185 pounds at, at six foot four. is, you know, hey, what is what does it look like for him playing against uh, maybe, you know, stronger wide receivers and some of that underneath game and him being a tackler in space, you know, but aside from that, I think he's got a lot of, a lot of ability in, in coverage. Uh, so, you know, if you told me Oklahoma took both of them, it'd be surprising in the sense that you don't see a, groups taking uh, two junior college corners from the same school, the same cycle, uh, you know, but I, I think both of them absolutely would offer uh competitive depth coming in and be able to, you know, be able to push those guys like, like a, like a Jaden Rowe, who's, who's going to be getting healthy and I don't know if he's playing corner or if he's going to be sliding to safety or cheetah because he's a unique athlete, uh, you know, but I think we talked a little bit about this on the board. Oklahoma's talented at corner, but they're also really young. So, you know, these two guys having a, a full year of, of JC underneath them, I think it makes him a, you know, a unique option. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Kyle with 360. He he pointed out on the board today, uh, there's only, with all this attrition that's been going on, there's only seven cornerbacks, true cornerbacks left on the roster. And three of those seven are true freshmen. So depth is 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 one thing that's needed, but um, we need guys that'll that'll be here for a few years. Chris, I mean, do you like the idea of taking both of these guys? I think it- I think it's tough. I would probably only take one just because, um, you know, the, the young guys behind them are, you know, Vickers and Wagner had such a good spring and look so good that I'm not sure I'd put two guys in front of them. One I could see, um, you know, I mean, to me, this all, if you take two, the, and I, I, guys, I have no info on this. Medical stuff is not in our purview whatsoever. But if OU takes two of them, maybe I'm starting to worry about Gentry Williams a little bit um, and, and where he is. Um, obviously, we all hope Gentry, you know, he looked good. All the reports were good. We heard they, they were starting to train well. So let's just hope that's the case and nothing has happened with Gentry, with Gentry's rehab and recuperation. So. I think if you I think one makes sense, two I'm starting to wonder about some other guys on the roster and and you know my 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 rumor antenna is starting to go a little bit like oh okay that doesn't quite add up is there is there is there something we're missing here and and I hope that and like I said I, we got no info on that whatsoever hope Gentry's perfectly fine hoping he's in the starting lineup at cornerback with Woody Washington for the first game this fall um, but if they take two. I'm I'm starting to have a little bit of a twinge about that. I think one makes sense. Two, eh, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure about that. But to your point, if all of a sudden you decide you're going to focus Jacoby Johnson as Caleb wants to at wide receiver, then that's down to six cornerbacks. And then maybe two does make sense. But I don't know. Putting two guys in front of Vickers and Wagner doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. But, you know, we'll we'll see how that shakes out. But you, you you might just annoy Wagner a little bit more, and he might just be even more aggressive and and physical <laughs> out on the field. Like you put another guy in front of me, we, uh, yeah, this is, this is annoying. I'm just gonna beat I'm gonna beat up somebody else. So 
Uh, I don't I don't know, but it's it's an interesting take. It's an interesting perspective on this problem. We know OU wanted um, another DB from the portal. They went heavily after the Louisiana kid. I mentioned this last week who ended up at Alabama. Um, so they really wanted somebody. Um, so it's it's I, I would take one, but I don't think with all the other roster challenges you've got coming up, I wouldn't take two. All right, and then uh, you know, stick stick to the board for for info on on those visits. Um, we'll do some digging to see how that all went. See what OU is thinking. Um, Chris, you mentioned earlier Easton Baker, uh, linebacker. We've been talking about him for I would, I would say a few weeks, maybe even a few months at this point. I think OU's been kind of kicking the tires on that. They finally do offer. Uh, Caleb, what what are your thoughts on Baker at linebacker? I mean, it's hard to not really like the kid. Uh, you know, the only maybe somewhat – I mean, in today's game, I don't think he'd even called a concern. Uh, he's listed anywhere from – I think Rivals has him at six foot 190. I want to say 247 or on three have him at, at 6'2", 220. If you split the difference, you know, 6'1", 212, I think is what his huddle lists him at. That's probably accurate. Uh, he is, you know, uh, Chris, you kind of joked about this, right? He almost looks like the perfect Brent Venables linebacker, uh, you know, extremely physical kid. Uh, I think he's a speedy run and chase guy, great instincts. I think you see that on tape. He just one of those guys that finds the ball. He looks like natural blitzer. Uh, he's a head hunter out there. You know, maybe you say at, at 6'1", 210, uh, definitely probably an outside linebacker, a Will or or a Sam, probably a Will. You know, you know, don't see a lot of just take on skills uh, like in point of attack. But from a sideline to sideline perspective, uh, his range, uh, his instincts, he's attacking. Uh, you know, I uh, I really, really like the kid. I, you know, there's – I'd put him up there with – you know, Ty Anthony Smith or any of those linebacker offers that Oklahoma's made. And, you know, I probably lean towards Baker uh, just because there's a, there's a, an aggressive recklessness that he plays with. Yeah. He's really, he's really good on film. I mean, I'm like, when it first came out, I'm like, why are we offering a kid from Utah? What's going on here? Um, but he's getting onto campus and he's getting ahead of anybody else at OU offered. OU's offered a couple of the running backs. I mean, sorry, linebackers, James Nesta from North Carolina, He's kind of a bigger guy, uh, kind of a bigger athlete. Uh, and then they offered um, uh, Simmons from um, Arkansas, who's getting offers from everybody. He's blowing up as well. And he, nothing's really seemed to be happening with Simmons. I think Nesta could, we could, could find out he's going to visit OU in June. So, um, you know, Baker's an interesting position and it, it makes you kind of wonder what's going on with some other guys and where OU is. Cause it, you know, I'm not sure I see, with Boganowski, if OU gets Boganowski, Michael Boganowski, I'm not sure I see more than a two-linebacker class. So um, taking Baker could be interesting in, in case things start, you know, really popping with Platt and um, maybe, you know, a long shot with Sammy Brown. So do you, do you think it's a – do you think Baker and Boganowski are one or the other? Because they're similar in size. I mean, know Boganowski yeah. is considered kind of a safety linebacker, but he's, what, 6'2", 200, you know, Baker. Yeah, you, you're right. They are, they are physically very similar guys. You can both see – it's easy to project both guys being 6'1", 225, and being sideline to sideline Will Linebacker, three-down Will Linebacker, and 
Yeah. And, and a lot of wide receiver, you know, three, four wide receiver formations. So yeah, it's, it's, it's getting to the point of time. It's hard to differentiate between must takes and backup plans. Um, Cause you know, Oh, you could have him have Easton Baker come on campus and say, yeah, yeah. You know, continue take some visits and circle back with us and something along those lines. Cause it, you know, it's, it's, Names are starting to pop up a little bit, you know, at safety as well. The Grimsley kid from Florida, from um, Tampa Catholic. And then uh, another cornerback from Arizona, uh, Santana Wilson. So just, it's interesting. There are names at linebacker and DB that are just popping up and it's hard to know whether they're really, you know, you do doing due diligence. This guy's an offer, author worthy on film, offer him. And we'll figure out where he is on our big board later, or this is a priority. We're going to go ahead and take this kid's verbal and just, just recognize that some of the other guys that we offered are higher ranked and we're just not going to worry about it. I don't know where they, where Baker falls and all that mix. Yeah. I, I feel the same. It's uh there's, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of positions defensively, particularly where there's just a lot of names and it'll be interesting to see how they juggle it all. Well, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's hard to, to say that it, the NCAA is going to stick with 25 ships, right? I mean, every time we talk about this, it seems like there's offers left and right, as if the staff is almost assuming that it's going to be extended past 25, which brings me to the next guy that we want to get Caleb's opinion on, uh, Cooper Washington, uh, in-state guy that we talked about a little bit ago, Offered at tight end, we we still um, think there's the possibility that Davin Mitchell does reclassify for 2024. I think OU is is thinking that that's still a very big possibility, and yet here we are offering another tight end. Caleb, what are your thoughts on Cooper? What are your thoughts on the possibility of two tight ends in this class? Ooh, it's a loaded question on the backside with two tight ends in the class because I think you also – and we can chat on this now or, or later there's the, again, there's that, that cloud, that weight of the 2025 in-state Oklahoma class where there are some guys that, you know, uh, that are really high end at that position. And I think if we're honest uh, and I've looked at it in multiple ways, all the way to Baylor, UCF, uh, a little bit of Tennessee, even though it's 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 Heupel and Halsley, and it's it's not Levy, but just how the tight end is utilized and what formations look like, and this isn't uh, you know no one's going to confuse Jeff what Jeff Levy does with what like Kevin Wilson likes to do, where it's a lot of you know hey we're going to be very situational we'll use lots of different formations and utilize guys in various ways related to the tight end that is and you know, two, three tight end sets all the time. I think Jeff likes speed on the field as much as possible. So it's a lot of one tight end. Um, so kind of a long-winded answer on the possibility of taking two. Seems I would find it odd with this class when you look at, I think, what they need at offensive line in terms of numbers, what I think they need defensive front seven in terms of numbers, what they probably honestly need at wide receiver in terms of numbers, especially when you add in Keon Brown. And then again, let's just be really honest. When you start looking at like Hester, Anderson, Gibson, you know, guys are going to be in years two, uh, year three or four, and just 
haven't done much in college. And again, you know, Hester, you know, on his, in his defense, it's, it's been injury related, but you know, your, your availability is your, is your best, uh, you know, best trait. So I, I don't know on two tight ends. I honestly, personally, I would lean towards no, uh, all things given, but, but as it relates to, to, to Cooper Alexander, I had to first say like, I'm, I'm in that, in that boat that Chris, you talked about with, you know, guys that grew up where you were, your fandom was formed in the nineties when it was rough, when Oklahoma state used to beat Oklahoma consistently or friggin' Kansas would go into Norman and beat Oklahoma. Uh, it was like Glenn Mason was her coach, I think at that time before he went to Minnesota, but you know, I mean, it was, yeah, yeah. it was they, hard times. They, they held the ball for like, they had like 40, 40 minutes of time of possession and beat OU even I think it even I Gerald Moore rush for had like 230 yeah. yards in the first yeah. half. It was the worst. It was the worst. How we lost that game. It was just sort of like, are we just cursed? And it's just what's wrong. So yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, so for me, I mean, uh, you know, Cooper's dad, Steven, like, you know, uh, kind of like a hero in some regards, because he was that he was a homegrown parade, all American blue chip guy that, you know, was great basketball player, great football player, chose Oklahoma and, you know, great player goes on illustrious really NFL career. Uh, I really like Cooper. And I, I would say, I really like Cooper at tight end in terms of what I think the tight end position is, what you ask of it, and what that skill set needs to look like in order to flourish at tight end, right? I don't think if you're thinking, if you're looking for, hey, we want, uh, you know, this amazing athlete that's going to play inside and just going to work every single linebacker and safety and a great receiver, you've got to weigh that ability to do that with, can you block anybody? Are you willing to block anybody, you know? And, and I think that's where for me, like Cooper fits in. He's six, four, As you've seen him this spring, you can tell he's continually in the weight room, probably be a, you know, six, four, two forty-five guy. Uh, what he reminds me of. And like, I think, we didn't talk about this, so you just kind of threw it out, Chris. He reminds me of these guys that end up at Iowa, and then Iowa just develops into all-around fantastic tight ends that when NFL scouts go in and watch it, they go, God, look at him. He's a, he's you know he's nasty and he really competes with with defensive ends in the block and run game. He gets after linebackers, the second level and third level guys ass consistently in the run game, and he does all the little things we want you know, as it relates to being a good receiving tight end. No, he's not going to be, uh, God, I'm trying to, you know, uh, Davis, what was the kid out of Maryland that, you know, I think, uh, ran yeah, yeah. he's, yeah, he's not, he's, he's, he's not Kyle Pitts. Let's just use a more recent example, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. Not, he's not six, six, two forty, and going to run a four, four, four. four. He's not that. Yeah. He's, he's, but he's not yeah, a bad he, athlete by any stretch of any imagination. He probably, if you told me he runs, um, Low runs a sub four seven. I'd be like, yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, I'd buy yeah. that. Yeah, and it just kind of goes back, like you said right there, right? Like you go and like you pull up all these guys, like whether it's it's Noah Fant or T.J. Hawkinson, these guys that come out of Iowa, and it's all oh, they're all six four six five. They're all two forty to two fifty. They all run four six five four seven, but they're really effective and they're really good at all those little things. They know how to use their body and shield off a linebacker. They know how to you know muscle up a DB because that's what tight ends 
often are doing in your pass game. It's not, hey, we're going to get you one-on-one on the slot against their third corner and you're going to go beat them vertically. No, right? It's it's third and – hey, Oklahoma fans, you can remember this with Charlie Kolar. It's third and six. You're going to run to the sticks at eight, or you're going to run – you know, you're going to run eight. You're going to come back two to the sticks, and we're going to throw it to you. You're going to body up that little safety, and we're going to get eight, nine yards, and we're going to pick up third down. You know, there's situational pieces. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I think, you know, Cooper is a guy that fits into – all the things you would want as a tight end. He's he's a willing blocker. Uh, you see, you do see him bully up. I know it's two A or three A, smaller school, Oklahoma, but you see him, you know, bully, uh, you know, de- uh, defensive backs. I and we, I think maybe a good way to look at it from a film perspective because I know Cooper's un, you know, is not rated. I don't believe. He's not rated his- very highly right now. He got hurt last year, which I think hurt his evaluation cycle. So, yeah, um, yeah. it's our, our our competitor, our competitor pod, um, uh, the scoop pod. Josh really likes Cooper. He thinks he's he's a top three hundred type type kid. So I was like, all right. And he's he recently went to go visit him. So I was like, well, that's an interesting opinion. So yeah, what I was going to say there is what I think we're if you're worried about looking at his his recruiting profile and you don't see a star ranking listed, I would say do this. Watch the film and watch he and Nate Roberts together and is what and even watch the other on each other's film. And it's one of those things you see this a lot of times. They're, they're hard to t- three and nine, right? It's three hard and nine. To, it's they're hard terribly hard. You can't tell them yeah. apart. They they run similarly. They look similar they play similarly. And then you look at Roberts and he is a guy that's got offers from Notre Dame, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, top five. LSU. He's a top five tight end for, for 25. Yeah. So. yeah, he's got a chance to be a top 125 player in the country, uh, you know, in the 25 class, plus same high school. And they look – they are eerily similar. And I get it, you know, uh, Cooper's a little bit older, but to your point, you know, he was he was out for three games the broken foot. So I, I like – I probably – I think on our board all winter, I was kind of ringing that. You've Cooper been, you've been asking what's going on with Cooper Alexander. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a theme. So um, in terms of a comp, a OU comp, recent comp for everyone, since we're talking like tight ends in the nineties a little bit while I was talking about his dad, I see a little Grant Calcaterra in his game. Yeah. I like that. I really like that. Yeah. So, I think he's, I think he's more physical than Grant. Yeah. But he's, but the pass receiving, he does yeah, an excellent move. job. He's smooth. Yeah, exactly, Matt. He's he does a good job getting, you know, working smaller guys and using his height. Because Grant was always good at that sort of like you know like a power forward kind of boxing guys out. Grant was always good at using his frame and using his ball skills to. I mean, just I mean the the Kyler Murray catch to Grant for the to what that won the Big Twelve title. I mean that's I can see Cooper Alexander making a catch like that from Jackson Arnold. Let's just. If something, if things went right, I could see that happening. That's really a good comp. I had not thought of that one when I was trying to think of them. I just didn't go there, and I, I yeah, I love that comp. Well, Chris, what what do you think this means for tight end recruiting in the next, you know, twenty twenty four into twenty twenty five? Well, so according to our best information, Davin Mitchell is still trying to reclassify, and he his last stand for that is August. So whatever summer session things he can take online or in person, if he if he hits enough of those boxes, then I think he's going to try and reclassify. So that would happen in August. And I think 
Hooper won't have verbaled by then. So if that happens and Davin is able to reclassify, I could see him quickly verbaling to Oklahoma and, and to play with Mike Hawkins and calling it a day. Um, but there's no way OU wouldn't then take Cooper Alexander's offer. You're not going to do that to an alum in-state player, um, loved sooner with a connection. If there's nothing else, because again, he'll just go to Iowa State and he'll be like an old Big 12 tight end and we won't have a tight end and we'll be ever, and I'll be stuck answering questions like we were about Charlie Kohler for the, for the next four years. Why didn't we offer Cooper Alexander? Well, we took Davin Mitchell. Well, Davin's not doing anything, and I don't know that's going to happen, but let's just say Davin doesn't requalify, doesn't reclassify, and, and ends up going to USC or go somewhere else. He just decides to do something different. You know, well, we were thinking we had Davin Mitchell, and I just don't, I don't want to have to, you know, it's, I don't want to do the, um, oh, who's the running back who went to Bama? And OU took a different running back that year. Um, Jonathan. Uh, OU took Abdul Adams because of Lincoln Riley's relationship in North Carolina. And he had Josh Jacobs. That's right. I I don't want a Josh. I'm sick and tired of those kind of debates on a message board. So I would say OU takes two tight ends. Maybe 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 by doing that, you're also putting some pressure on Llewellyn and Helms to say, guys, this is... You need to start getting going or we're bringing in guys. Because I also think we all think that Cade McIntyre is going to walk on campus and immediately start putting some pressure at the tight end position. So I think they take two and I think they take two in 25. So maybe there's some offensive changes have to occur because, you know, they've also got this interesting guy that we keep hearing from some folks is interesting. Hampton Fay. This Michigan State transfer walk-on who's 6'5", you know, was 210 in high school. Do we have a we have an updated height weight on him? Is I did see, I think he was listed last uh fall. So I guess coming in August of 22 at 225 at yeah. uh at Michigan State. But I've heard I think like he transferred. That's what I'd heard. He was somewhere yeah. around the 240 mark. He did move to tight end either late in the 22 season or he was there for the spring and winter conditioning at Michigan state at tight end. So that's another interesting name, Matt, that impacts things. If, if Faye looks great, do you then have to give him a, a walk on ship? And, and again, to Caleb's point, the 25 group of tight ends right now, I can name four guys. If Davin Mitchell doesn't reclassify Davin Mitchell's a take Nate Roberts is a take. CJ Nixon says he really wants to play tight end. The Weatherford 25 OU offer, who's 6'5, 6'6, 220, and an amazing looking athlete. He's a take. And then OU's got an offer out to the, the Brom kid from Derby, Kansas, who's 6'5, 230, has been OU twice. He looks fantastic on film. He's a take. So, you know, it's not like this year where no one was really stepping up and and it's been like I've, I've openly a little bit. I wondered what is Joe John Finley doing in tight end recruiting? What's what's going on? Because not a single tight end came in in the month of March for twenty four. No twenty four tight ends visited OU, and we had we talked about about fifty prospects that came in and out of campus uh, taking on officials for March from the twenty four class. So I I think you I think you take if if Mitchell reclassifies you take two. If he doesn't, you take one. And I think you're taking two and 25 regardless that the talent. And I didn't even mention Trené Washington, who's 
uh, from also from uh, Carl Albert. He's 6'4", 210, and he wants to be a wide receiver, but he grows anymore, adds any more weight. He's going to be in the flex tight end, you know, ran- rankings before he knows what's happening. So, you know, that's, that's like six guys maybe at tight end for 25 who would, who you could easily take. So I think Cooper, I think Cooper will be a sooner and OU will make it work. They'll just make it work. So uh, the 25 number is looking less relevant every week, every time I turn around and try and make this situation work. I've got a, I've got a class prediction I'm going to drop as a treat for uh, Memorial Day weekend, a little, little early. And it's 26 players right now. Um, and I promised myself I would stick to 25. And there's just no way with all the intel we're getting, I could stick with 25. So I, you know, I put this on the board. I pulled the, uh, like the NCAA press release from, was it last year where they lifted that? And they said it was going to be a two year lift of the 25 limit. It would look at just having the 85 limit and that they would reassess that when that two year, you know, uh, sticker was up. So I'm with you. I think I've said this probably ad nauseum on this pod. There's just no possible way that they stick with they'd ha- they If they try to re and re add the, the 25 limit, uh, you know, for the 24 class, they would probably have to create a whole nother set of rules and, and do something. Because when you start looking at, I mean, Colorado had 61 kids transfer out, you know, like it, you, <laughs> and, and it's and, and groups like Wyoming and, and others just get poached. These, you know, these, these power five, I'm sorry, group of five schools that do a really good job identifying kids and developing kids. And uh, you know, they're there two years or whatever that is, they start and they do really well. And, and you've got, you know, uh, USC went in and and snagged a really good offensive guard out of Wyoming because uh, they needed one. And, uh, you know, they did what Riley does really well is <laughs> tamper with guys that have been there today or going through spring, and, and he got him. So uh, there's just no way I think that the NCAA comes back to a 25 with, with the portal being what it is. They'd have to make some heavy changes to the portal. Do, do you guys think it's kind of interesting that this tight end offer, another linebacker offer, two JUCO guys coming in? I know they don't really affect class of 2024, but um, <clears throat> some of these offers come on the heels of weren't the coaches in some sort of week long national, some sort of conference with the NCAA? Do you think they got a feeling out of that that 25 will not be a limit and they went ahead and threw these offers out there? Or is that is that me just tinfoil hat speculating a little bit too much? No, I, I think you're spot on. I, I think those conferences, my understanding is as much as anything, there's uh, there's a lot of the coaches telling the NCAA and the athletic directors standing lockstep with them. Hey, here are some things you bet you're we're going to do and you're gonna have to do. And they understand that. They, you know, they and they they want to open the the money spigot as much as they can. The last thing they want to do is, you know, take a, a program like like Colorado that's starting to get a lot of pub and is gonna increase uh, you know, viewership on TV and then try to destroy it. So yeah, I, I think 100. percent I think they're coming out of that, and they're getting word that 
you see that with like the NFL uh, owners meetings where they start getting leaked, like, Hey, here's, you know, maybe a 12 month plan next year. We're going to look to implement this. I think that's what's going on. You're getting word that we're not going to go back to the 25. We're going to keep it at just the 85. So if, if you've been reading our board over the last month or two, you know, we think there's the possibility of, of a two quarterback class, um, multiple running backs, possibly. Now we're talking about maybe a fourth wide receiver, a second tight end. There's another linebacker offer out there. Chris, you mentioned all these DBs that have been offered recently. We have defensive line to talk about too, um, on the heels of the Sims commitment to Oregon. Um, how, how is D line recruiting going and, and what are the numbers looking like there? Well, you know, it's, it's June's June's really going to tell the tale here. So, Oh, you will have Williams Winery visit June 9th, which, you know, you can, you can say that's a negative or you can reclassify it as a positive. I, I just, I just think him being on campus officially is just works for OU. He's been OU several times. Jamar Mosey will probably come down with Isaiah Mosey maybe Kamori Moore, and uh, the weekend and the ninth is also right before uh, an OU elite summer camp. So maybe those guys are coming down to camp at OU. So it, it should work out. And then, and then boom, the 16th is where all the fireworks happen. It's Joseph John AJ, David Stone, Nigel Smith, Zena Umazulu, Umazulu or Zoo. So it's, it's four guys that you would take in a moment. Uh, so that's, that's, and then, you know, and then Daniel Okoye is floating out there um, with a decision maybe later in the year. So you could maybe sit back and assess where they are with him later. Um, and I think he's a take regardless, probably. So, you know, but it's getting, it's getting down. D-line recruiting is, is getting down to it. It's getting down to the nitty gritty. When Ari just visited A&M, like I told everybody last week, Everybody loves official visits. The stakes are good. The girls are cute. The, you know, the, the campus facilities are awesome. No one has bad official visits to high-end Power 5 programs. And A&M is not a power elite on the field, but off the field, they've got all, they've got every bell and whistle. You know, if, you, if they just don't take him by the trophy cabinet, everything will look like Alabama or OU or or Georgia, it all looks like, uh, you know, it all looks like we should have five national championships. They just, you know, haven't, haven't competed for a national championship since I think 1935, but you know, it's, you know, I'm, you know, that's, I believe that that date is accurate, you know, really ancient college football history is not my specialty. So, um, but you know, it's, 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 you know, I, I think of this, I was mentioning this in our, you know, our pre-workup, you know, I'm just thinking of, if you've seen the movie Fury starring Brad Pitt, where he's, uh, he's leading a Sherman tank crew at the very end of the war. And Brad Pitt has this great quote. And I think this applies to kind of like Todd Bates. You know, you could transpose this to Todd Bates. He says, I started this war killing Germans in Africa, then France, then Belgium. Now I'm killing Germans in Germany. It will end soon. But before it does, a lot more people going to die. And that's the way D-line recruiting is. You are competing with you know, he's competing with Clemson, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, A&M, Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan. So Todd Bates and Chavis are going to have to roll up their sleeves and, and, and 
metaphorically just kill some people to get the D-line we need. It's it's going to be a brutal battle, and it's going to be there's going to be shots fired. You already saw it with message board geniuses conveniently being given the OU Sooner Scoop fan meltdown over Sims. Very convenient that those screenshots ended up at message board geniuses' hands. Um, the on three message boards are wide open. If you have a subscription there, you if you're a Texas fan, you could read all the Oklahoma stuff. You're an AM fan or a Tennessee fan. So I think it's a little, you know, that that crap happens on every message board every time anybody loses a big time recruit. I mean, Notre Dame fans went completely unhinged when Peyton Bowen flipped on signing day. And I, I understand it. It's completely yeah, that it's, one it's, was it's it's because it's, it's, there were some know, respected, there were some respected people that like. Yeah, yeah, they just they went have crazy. like radio shows that were like, yeah. I hope the guy tears his ACL. Yeah, was it was bad. Tough. I mean, it's, I mean, we all know it's immature, it's unproductive, and it's unnecessary, right? Like, you know, this is, you know, I've been following recruiting long enough. Everyone's like, why aren't you ranting and railing over this? Guys, we lose D line. It's D line recruiting. This is, this is the trench warfare of college football recruiting. This is, and NILs only made this more difficult. Because you can have a lead, you can have the best relationship, you can have had you can, the mom, you know, the mom writes you birthday cards and you think you're all set. And in the last minute, all of a sudden, somebody, you know, has a conversation with uh, someone involved in their recruiting and all of a sudden they flip. And, you know, David Hicks, OU won that recruiting battle. It was finished, it was done. And then AM decided, mainly because I think their on-the-field season was cratering so badly that they needed to give Jimbo a little uh, a little cover. They, they they decided they were not going to let David Hicks go anywhere else and and made sure that didn't happen. So D-line recruiting, it's gonna, it's it's gonna, it's gonna suck all of the air out of the room. Um, it's gonna be the focus of everybody. Meanwhile, we've got great O-line visiting. We've got running the number one running back in the country, Taylor Tatum, according to 247, will be on campus. Oh, using a dogfight for him. He would be DeMarco's first five-star running. I mean, Tatum's going to be a five-star by the time everything shakes out. So that would be the first five-star running back recruit for DeMarco, which would be huge. Uh, there's still DBs assigned. Devin Jordan from Tulsa Union is getting, just got a BAM offer. He probably will get a Georgia offer. So OU's going to have to fight. That looked like something where OU was going to basically get a sign, you know, get a verbal from Devin because most of college football hadn't recognized what a good player he was. Now everyone's offering him. So that could be a dogfight. And he's a Tulsa Union, six foot one, 180 pound DB, athletic. So that's not a D line recruit, but just basically D line recruiting has the just, it's, it's OU fans are so obsessed with it. It's so difficult to get the guys. OU is so close. I didn't even mention Dominic McKinley will be on campus June 16th and he's a five-star defensive lineman. So it's, it's all it's, right there. It's so close. OU's been grinding so hard and OU's still got that six and seven season, you know, dangling around their neck that folks are using as an anchor. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and OU could hopefully, hopefully will rectify that on the field and keep the guys that hopefully they're going to get this summer. But it is, you know, if you think, you know, if you think you're going to walk in and just get four top 30 defensive linemen in the country 
and no one's going to do every underhanded shenanigan possible to stop that. You're, you're kidding yourself in today's business of college football. The only group that's the only team that's done it that has ha- done so by effectively going outside of, you know, a hundred mile or let's say a 200 mile radius of their campus, because again, harp on that to all these mouth breathers baits. Well, that's right. Like Clemson, you know, your Georgia's right there. Obviously Georgia, you're in, it's right there. Alabama, you're right here. Uh, and North only, Carolina and North Carolina, and North Carolina, which Carolina. has a lot of the, D-line. The, yeah. The Carolinas that, you know, that they produce really good talent, uh, and that's the thing. The only, the only, the only school that's done it, that's gone out and done that, that didn't have to, you know, just walk down their street to pick the kids up, was that it was Texas A and M. And in doing so, I think it was Nick Saban said they paid thirty million dollars, or was it Kiffin said, oh, it was thirty million dollars to sign that class, or whatever the outrageous number was. Uh, it's just you nailed it. The reality is, it is the most valuable commodity in football. It's is, gold bouillon in college is, football. It is, is gold bouillon in all football, right? It's why you yeah, know, if you yeah. are if you are an elite defensive lineman, you're drafted high first round. If you can rush the passer, I don't want to say you're overvalued, but you're going to go. You can be a decent pass rusher, and you'll go before uh, somebody that thinks going to be a you know a Pro Bowl corner because well you know or the Pro Bowl guard like we know this guy's going to make the Pro Bowl at guard five times in the next ten years, but this guy right here he might be able to get us ten sacks a year. Take the take the ten sack guy. We'll we'll find a guard. We'll kick somebody else in the guard. Right. I, uh, I need someone to hassle Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. You know. Um, I need someone to tassel Patrick Mahomes, um, the 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 golden boy quarterbacks. You need someone to hassle them. So it doesn't and the, change. And, and college, college it, is the same game, right? You need, yeah. you need oh, someone yeah. to hassle. Probably more you know, so. It's CJ Stroud or Caleb Williams or or whatever. So Matt, yeah. it's 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 going really well. Everything's syncing up well. Not there's no there's no real negatives apart from the Sims commit. Everything's syncing up. We're starting to hear some more names that OU's looking at. Those names haven't really filtered out into offers yet. The film looks really interesting on a couple of them. So it looks like Todd Bates is already lining up some some backup plans in case some things go go awry. Uh, or and, you know, I, some of those guys, if you watch their film, I, I I'm really not sure how backup they are. I'm not sure anyway. how the backup they are. Yeah. Um, but you know, you just you just think about we we didn't know who Ashton Sanders was. And he's just had a really good spring, and he looks like he's going to be a factor this fall. I'm fully anticipating once Marcus Strong gets gets on campus, we're going to hear some comments like, wow, we didn't realize Marcus Strong was that good a prospect. Because I just think Todd Bates knows D-line recruits, that this is not some – he doesn't – there's no wasted offers with Todd Bates at D-line. Now that he's focused, he's in, he's got time to assess and recruit and evaluate. Uh, there's no, there's no wasted, no wasted motion with uh, Todd Bates in D-line recruiting. So it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out there. And like I said, Akoya has made things really interesting because, again, Caleb and I love the guy. We raved about him last in the podcast, but we were just like, it's like the Christmas present we couldn't buy. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of have the Super Power Ranger with the mutant ninja grip. No, no, no. I'm sorry. That's you're not allowed that one. Why not? Well, you know, we just can't, you know, it's not that we can't afford it, but I'm just, you know, we're just not, we just can't buy it. It's not available in our market. Okay. You know, it's only people in Japan can have it. So you're like, 
but I saw it online. You're like, no. And then all of a sudden, you know, mom tells you, oh, by the way, the super powered ninja with the super Kung Fu Ray grip with, uh, with that spin, that spinning top is now available in the America. And you're like, well, can I have it for Christmas? And, and your mom's like, well, it's, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. It's, it's lots of, everybody wants one. I'm not sure I can find one, you know, in our area. So it's like, he changes everything because he, He's the edge rusher. If you think of like the perfect guy to line up against on the other side of Williams Winery or PJ Adebore, uh, Daniel Okoye is, is basically molded exactly who you want. With David Stone right in the middle. That's, that's what you, that's, you know, and if, and if you're popping champagne and we're, we're, we're acquiring unicorns, uh, Dominic McKinley is next to him. So you've got Stone at 6'4", 300 and you've got McKinley next to him at 66 305 and 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 we have an all-star we have a when we we have the Clemson D-line from the latter half of uh of uh of the 2018s uh, the 2018s 2019s 2020 you know you've got uh, you've got three 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 you know first round defensive linemen that's that's where it is that's that's where OU could I mean, could be at the end of at the uh, uh, at the end of June, but uh, that kind of leads us into a segue to our final segment. Yeah, um, Chris, you want to lead us on this one—a little little game over under game show uh, for OU verbals. Yeah, we'll do a little Monty Hall again here. We kind of trying to do this. So right now, OU is at six verbals. So I'm going to give you guys three dates. And you have to tell me the number of verbals you think OU has by that date. And you don't have to tell me like the, do any math there, big math there. So basically OU's got six right now. Tell me how many they have by July 1st, how many verbals they have by August 1st, and then how many do they have by September 1st? So Caleb, you more or less won our verbals by spring ball competition if we're really honest so you're gonna go like you're gonna go first or last what do you want to do i'll go first all right better first than last okay so i would go uh so this is the number i think i'm gonna set on yep okay uh so for july one is that right yep 10 i think they'll have 10 by july one okay uh august one i'm gonna go i think they'll have 18 Okay. By August one, uh, and then by September one, I think they will have twenty four. Wow. Okay, Matt, did you write that down? I didn't. I did. All right. Okay. Good, because I forgot already. All right. <laughs> Ten, eighteen, and twenty four. Yeah. All right, Matt. Do you want to go next? Well, he took my first two numbers. I was going to say <laughs> the same. I'll uh, I'll go a little less for July first. How about that? How about nine? Ooh, um, okay. so, it's like Price is Right, where I pick he's, one and you go river, one dollar. He's river, Riversiding you. He's <laughs> right, well, right Riversiding you. You've got what three or four big weekends in a row leading yeah. up to July first. Yeah. Let all that fall out. You you pick up three along the way. Yeah. Then by August first, I'm going with nineteen. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go one more. <laughs> okay. Because because we saw last year what um july did to the 2023 class a lot of momentum again those three big weekends in a row all these guys are taking their officials they're going to kind of know august 1st is you know camp for a lot of people 
I want to get it out of the way. I'm going to go 19 and then I'm going to say it trickles to 22 um, in August. Again, guys are in, in fall camp who use got fall camp seasons right around the corner. Um, a couple of those guys might want to pick uh, before their senior season starts, but uh, I'm going to go nine, 19 and 22. So, so right around Caleb. Okay. All right. Come on, Chris, so, what you got? Okay. Well, I, I have a slightly different view on this, but the July number, you guys have taken the, the two best July numbers. So um, in true prices, right tradition, I'm just going to go over Caleb and I'll say 11 by July 1st. I honestly, I think you'll be right. I actually think the number will be closer to 12. Uh, Cause I, yeah, but I'm, hey, but do you, you want to change your number? No, 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 no. I'm good at 10. I'm playing it safe. I, I just All think right. there's an odd that you get. Because you I did think, go, you did go out on the spring number. We were like, you know, five, six, you were like, All right. you know, I'm like, okay, what are you doing, Caleb? Um, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. that's, that's fine. So I'm going to go with 11. Now I'm going to be less than you guys. I think they only pick up five more in July. I okay. think they go end it with 16 at the end of July. Okay. But I think August is very, very productive for OU. I think OU ends August with 23. I think more August decisions than July decisions. And I'm basing that a little bit on Casey Poe visiting at the end of July. Um, Joe Ajanye uh, uh, saying he's announcing August 1st. So this, this, I should have more intel than you guys. This is, this is what I do. So. Yeah, um, I, I was gonna, I was fixing to say the one question that's lingering in my mind as it relates to those numbers is, isn't Oklahoma going to have a barbecue in July? Like, end of July, okay. big at the party at the Palace, which is the event that really boosted yeah. Mark, you know, according to everybody, David Hicks committed to OU that weekend. Vasek. Uh, and then Vasek. Yeah. And he committed to OU that weekend, and then his dad tried to walk it back. Like, he didn't commit to OU that weekend. I'm like, well we talked to like three people who said he did. Yeah. Um, so I think they have, I think, you know, Nigel Smith is early September. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the guys that are really going to influence all this are like, it's going to be Tatum, what Wesco does, what the offensive line group does. Um, David Stone, because, you know, some of these guys have got dates out there to kind of stick into them. So, yeah, I'm betting on my betting. On, and it has been this way sometimes. Now, now the a lot group, of kids do stuff around July group, 4th. Yeah, the O-line group, you're right, could all of a sudden change all these metrics, right? Yeah. Zendamella already is choosing a July date. I was fixing to say Zendamella. Uh, hasn't hasn't uh, Caden Massey basically said he's going to take his visit, visits June, make a decision July. Yeah, I'm so that's wrong. It's yeah, the online group could could adjust this. Um, the sec if if a second QB falls, it's going to fall quickly. No, I think reason. Cooper Washington will be in the class by. He by could July be. It, it could be Cooper Alexander. You just combined the two tight ends. I know Cooper. You know what's funny? I googled that could, earlier. It was yeah. that kid out of Milshu that was committed to Oklahoma. Yeah, he was. He's, he I, was. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Accidentally googled it. Yeah, you know, I do it all the time. Transposing, combining, combining mutant half you know mutant combinations of players that i really want to you know nate roberts and cooper alexander should just be like cooper roberts alexander you know just combine <laughs> the two you know 
uh, best trades of the two. So I think I think August is going to be a big month for OU. I think kids, as you said, Matt, it's a dead period again, completely dead. Kids are in camps. You know, their coaches are all like, I want you to make a decision before the season starts. I don't yeah. want you, you know, we went, we're shooting for the playoffs. I don't want you thinking about taking seven visits while we're in a playoff run. Didn't I, I think I, I think I read today that Texas will, Texas high schools start camp like August one. Yeah. Okay. That sounds yeah. right. That sounds right. Oklahoma, same, similar. I feel better um, about my numbers now. Okay. Okay. So I think August, but I do think, I don't think July is going to be quite as productive as we think. I think it's going to be big name. I mean, again, if the guys who are visiting in June verbal in July, it's like four star, four star, four. I mean, it's like last year, four star, four star, five star, four star, four star. It's just rattling off, you know, every week this podcast will, will be like popping champagne and we'll be doing the the drunk version of this podcast because it'll be like, what are we going to talk about? Oh, you just getting freaking every commit we want. If I'm going to open put, a beer, crack open a beer, you know, it's going to be. If I'm going to put on my uh, conspiracy hat and, and try to connect dots that probably aren't there, I'm going to say that what will drive it to hit my number is going to be Oklahoma is working David Stone to get him to commit sooner rather than later and get him in June. And I'm saying this only because Brent Venable's article with the athletic where he talks a about great, a great article, great article, way. go read it. If you, if you need the dollar 99 uh, subscription, just ping me on the board and I'll give you my login. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but he, you know, Venable said, Hey, we want guys that are going to lead from the front. We need to build classes. You want to build camaraderie. You want to build these things. It's hard to do that when you're committing in, you know, in, in December. And then to hear David Stone, it doesn't reiterate that exactly, but in one of his latest interviews, he point he blank para- says, paraphrases he, it. he does. He says, when I know I'm not going to wait around, I'm going to pull the trigger. I got to, you know, it was, I'm going to help, help my class. So uh, he's back in Oklahoma for the summer, I think, or a little bit. I'm sure he'll, uh, so these, some of these big time kids like that are, are semi celebrities. Uh, you know, the people around them know, Hey, you're gonna, you're gonna, you got a chance to sign a, you know, a $40 million deal, uh, you know, in three years. So I'll, I'll befriend you now. So I'm sure he'll be in and out of the state, but Oklahoma get him to pull the trigger in August. I'm sorry. In, uh, in June. And I think you've, they've got the potential there to, it's, it's to do something special. Him. It could snowball. Him and Mike Hawkins working, and again, and Bill, and Bill's the stealth bomber, right? We never really quite, yep. you know, you know, everyone's like, what's what's he doing in O line? All of us, we said, well, we knew Caden Green, and all of a sudden, it's like Howland, Bates, you know, he had Bates, and they're like, you got Howland and Ozetta, like out of nowhere. We're like, well, well who are these guys? And yeah. now he's been a, now we've we've tracked him a little bit better. He's a really strong group of O line guys. If if they if they all start falling in July and they. And, and as a group, it could be, it could, I, it could be, it could be, it could raise the numbers a little bit because that's that could be four commitments in July, yeah. which could throw every all my numbers off. So, and, and, and I could be completely wrong on, on how this will play out with Bill, but I will say when you start looking at the kids that are the kids that are have offers, the kids that Oklahoma is really high on their board, and you kind of dig into some of their interviews and what they're like, it really feels like. Maybe it just took Brent getting here and having a support structure around him that because I mean you're coaching 15 guys trying to recruit five or six a year. Like that's the most difficult job of any assistant in my mind. Cause it's also the most important, right? And it's also the one that takes the most development. Uh it I'd feels like splitting it up never seems to really work, right? 
No, yeah, it's really difficult. It's almost easier. It's why the NFL, what they'll tend to do is you have an assistant, but he's taking, you know, uh, maybe if you're going half line or he's just working the number twos. Um, but if you look at these guys, you look at like Poe, you look at Bricks, you look at Massey, you start going and even uh, Ellis Davis, uh, Ellis da- Warren. I mean, Ellis Davis is a perfect example. Another one, but also the, the kid West got, Davis. It's I was to say that, you know, the kid they've got committed right now, uh, whose name Autry, is Autry, Autry, all of these guys seem to be, uh, character mirrors of bill it's like you just look at him you talk to him it's like i like to hunt and fish i like to fight i like to lift weights <laughs> and you know these are the things i like to do i mean fight like you know on the field right yeah, i like yeah. to be i like to be well, i don't know about and, that but yeah and, <laughs> i like to bully folks around and it's yeah. like okay all these guys really fit this it does feel like he's really uh he's he's found a this class looks like it could be pretty good for him and oklahoma i also think maybe um, I had this comment with a with a sooner friend of mine that by big but I by bringing in guys that need to add twenty to thirty good good pounds versus having to lose thirty forty bad pounds that maybe he's bringing in guys that are better fitted for Schmitty that you know sh- you know and Schmitty sees a sloppy three sixty guy he's I, I think maybe Schmitty's just like I've just got to tear that guy apart. And it just, and the grind and the guys are like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to put up with all this. This is, this is all too much. I'm, you know, and the guys kind of lose focus and aren't really, they're not clicking. Whereas the other guys are like, yeah, man, Schmitty's going to turn me into an animal. So I'm going to add that, you know, it's easier for Schmitty to do the add than it is for Schmitty to do the subtract and still be in sync with Bill and how Bill wants the O-line to be built. Yeah. And it's I, I, absolutely. I think there's a lot of, Oh man, there's so much truth to that. And then the other part is, you know, kids that are 16 and 17 years old and are 260 pounds. We all went through that, right? Like, I mean, not me so much. I matured kind of early, I guess, but uh, you know, you, you tend to just put on like that. It's it's called a freshman 15 for a reason, right? Uh, You know, guys that are again, 260 as juniors in high school when they're 16 or 17, if you're feeding them a bunch of, you know, a bunch of protein and they're lifting weights every day, it's just, they're going to hit 300 pounds. Not much of a problem at all. Yeah. I mean, I think Logan Howland is going to be, there's several Logan Howland type guys in this class. I think Massey Davis um, Sprague was one, but he's going to Michigan. Good for Sharon Moore. Uh, But I just think, You know, I just think, you know, OU's in a good place with a good target. Bill, I think, you know, the Bill criticism, I think, you know, on recruiting, not signing enough kids. I mean, I, I think it's just clear, you know, Riley wasn't letting him offer who he wanted. Yeah, he was, no, forced, I, he was forcing to go for like elite kids who maybe Bill was like, you know, I'm not sure, you know, this guy doesn't really sync up with me. And of course, you know, and then Bill doesn't land him. And everyone's like, why didn't Bill land these three elite guys? Well, they're not a culture fit for him. So it, it was doomed from the start. That's what I'm saying is he's, you know, Riley was forcing him to go for guys and it was doomed from the start that Bill wasn't going to get him like Tristan Lee. Right. You know, he's just doomed. Whereas now Bill's offering guys and the film just looks the same. And the build type looks the same. There's a couple of big guys are over 300, but they're usually six, seven, and they're usually more of that power forward look. So they don't, they're not sloppy looking. Yeah. No, you know what you, uh, 
there was a lot of us and I was in that group that was looking at Bill and like, Hey, you've got to sign more kids. And it really, it, it was a hundred percent Riley. You can even go and you look at his USC offensive line right now. And they'll, they'll probably, they'll start three transfers. They're not developing guys They They went out and got, you know, uh, I think a Washington state kid, a Wyoming kid and a Florida kid. And they said, Hey, you know, come here and start for us. Uh, and, and that's what they're doing. They're just, and they'll do the same thing when, you know, they get three kids or four kids off that line will transfer out, or I'm sorry, will graduate. If, if Riley's there next year after Caleb leaves and is the first pick in the draft, they'll turn around and, and they'll go get another three kids, you know, out of the transfer portal to come in and fix the offensive line. I think that's his, his, his way is if you're not the five-star kid, you know, then I'll just go find a, a transfer. Yeah, because I think, I mean, you could level that criticism a little bit at OU, but OU lost two NFL tackles and Sexton got hurt. That's the only reason Rouse is on campus. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. Sexton would be probably would be starting and you'd have Guyton, who he is a transfer, but really, I mean, he didn't have any career at TCU at O-line. This, he's, Tyler Guyton's going to be a, a Bill product. He's not TCU. He attended TCU. That's about it. Yeah, play Jumbo tight end for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's an his offensive line credentials are Bill Biedenbauer. He's got, you know, stamped by Bill Biedenbauer approved. So again, if Bill can bring in a five-player class to go with the four-player class, and now Six. Troy Everett makes it a three-player class from the first yeah. year, that's you know, we heard great things about Caden Green. We've heard great things about Sexton. We heard a lot about Taylor. Um, I think if Howland could have graduated early. He would, we'd be hearing a lot about him as well. Yeah. Um, and we heard a good things about Bates. Bates just needs a redshirt year, reshape his body. And, but he's got the mentality for offensive line. We know that. Yeah. He, so he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Schmitty, he just, he just will get needs, him right. yeah, he just needs time. And we knew that he just needed time to get, you know, to, to get bigger, stronger, redefined. And I think he may actually better play guard. I think he's big enough to maybe play some guard if OU needs him to. So, um, but yeah, that's the that's the long. We somehow we always get back to O line discussion, Matt. I don't know how that always happens. Hey, we, we started with the long D line discussion and we the did long O line discussion because it's all you know, about the trenches. It's all about the right. trenches, man. At the end of the day, that's what's going to win it or lose it. Yeah, yeah. So especially Baker. the SEC right around the corner. Baker, Baker and and Kyler needed good O lines. That's true. I mean, if they if they had good D lines, we might be uh, talking a little tune, a little different be, tune. It may be very, very, you know, just, just, just one guy, like one guy in the Rose Bowl, right? Just one guy would have made a difference. That could be a whole pod. That could be a whole pod. It could be. We won't, we won't dig those, dig that up. We need to, we can, we can go down recruiting to disasters and, 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 you know, choose your favorite recruiting, uh, reimagined story. So, you know, we, we can do that, but yeah, but Matt, that's we're by the time we record again, it's going to be, we'll be in June. Probably we should be. Um, I don't think they're going to bring too many people in June 2nd, but it's, we're going to be talking a lot about different stuff. Kids go in different places and hopefully we should have some more names confirmed for the, the 9th and the 16th. Right. Waiting on Caden Durham and, and just a couple and uh, Grant Bricks, maybe Caden Massey and just a couple other names to just get maybe finalized. Wesco. Yeah. I, I think Wesco might end up being a late July visit. Okay. Like Casey, like with Casey Poe, come to the party at the palace That's with Casey Poe. And I think that might be where OU focuses instead. So, um, but he does have, a, he has a midweek visit to LSU, I think. 
the week of the barbecue you event. So he could come up for that as an unofficial and just hang out with everybody and, and uh, be part of that. So we'll, we'll see what's going on. Um, I, it, it's going to be interesting to see if that's going to see some guys are going to show up and we're like, Oh, he's here. I didn't really anticipate that happening at all. So um, we'll have to keep track of that a little bit. Cause there are some names floating around that could show up and um, you know, the number one name and, um, we don't have any details on this. Um, it's on other websites, but it's, it's Kobe black is floating around as maybe, maybe coming in in June as well. And that, and that, and that would be yet another five-star defender on OU's campus, which would be very interesting because Kobe's dad and Brent Venables are, have a heavy connection back to their K-State days. All right. Well, we'll, we'll keep working for confirmation on Kobe black um, we'll keep working on the uh, the visit list for some of these various weekends. Um, great episode, as usual, guys. Um, we'll be back next week following the Memorial Weekend. Uh, hopefully everybody, all of our listeners, have a great, relaxing holiday weekend. Safe travels um, if you're going anywhere. Safe, safe travels if you're going anywhere. This is the perfect pod to listen to and uh, on your road trip. Um, hopefully your spouse or significant other doesn't hate you for just listening to OU football talk. Um, but, um, you know, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, head over to Sooners 360. Uh, we will have that Danny Okoye interview up shortly. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good one. It's a good one. He's a great kid. He it's really a good is. One. We'll have that up shortly. We'll have some breakdown from Caleb on him as well. We'll have the latest info on the JUCO visitors and look out for Chris's June prediction early posting this weekend, a little Memorial Day treat. And we will see everybody on 360 around the water cooler.